turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse number 1, two portions of scripture today. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Aram is Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. A great man. A, somebody say a great man. great man. Come on, how many of you women are married to a great man? Wow. So we're going to have a marriage conference soon. <laughs> he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The Lord had given victory. This is Israel's enemy. The Lord had given victory to Israel's enemy. The Lord had given victory to Israel's enemy. The Lord had given. That's crazy. He was a valiant soldier. He was, look at all the accolades. Great man, highly regarded. God gave him victory for his whole nation. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. He had a lot. Then the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a fight and a quarrel with me? And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to you. Have, have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Fafpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. And Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then? When he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So he went and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him. And his flesh was restored. And he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world. God gave victory to the soldier who conquered Israel. And now the soldier who conquered Israel is confessing that there is no God like the God of Israel.
So please accept the gift from your servant. The Lord, the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. Hey, y'all, this ain't part of the sermon, but I just want y'all to notice something. A minute ago, he didn't even want to go and dip in the Jordan because he said it was too dirty. How many of you know when God works something in your life, you go from not wanting to do what he says to he ain't want to go in the water. Now look what he's asking for. Give me the dirt. He, look, look, he says, can you give me uh, as much earth as a pair of mules can carry? He didn't want to go in the Jordan. Now he's asking for dirt from the ground. When God does something in your life, where God is becomes holy ground to you. When God touches your life and he usually uses unorthodox methods and things that you don't think is worthwhile. Be careful how you treat things that don't look valuable. Because there might be exactly where the blessing is. And I've learned, hallelujah, that the places you reject is usually the places that God wants to use. It is usually the person God wants to use. It is usually the business God will blow up. It is usually the ministry that will take off. The stone that the builders rejected usually becomes the chief cornerstone. This man was graveling over the dirt minute ago he was bragging about how the rivers where he's from is better hallelujah hallelujah it's kind of like what our brother was saying people look down on kingdom things and they gravel at the otherworldly things but if you only knew the God of the kingdom you would even want the dirt he said, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord. Jump ahead with me to the book of Luke chapter 4 verse number 24. Jesus is talking. He just was in the temple and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me. And then he said, this scripture is fulfilled and he closed it up and he's having this conversation. And then he says, truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. And there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And look at verse 27. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Let that sink in. Yet not one of them was cleansed only Naaman the Syrian the whole nation had many people who were sick but not one of them was healed and Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own hometown Naaman however was healed by the prophet at first he didn't want to be healed he didn't like the method but eventually he submitted to the method and so for the next couple of minutes I would like to talk to you from the subject the mission is submission come on tell your neighbor the mission is submission oh say that like you mean that today the mission is submission. The mission is submission. The mission is submission. People don't like that word. 
Well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to pray today. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for your word. And I thank you because I know you're going to move in this house by your power. And I just praise your name and I give you glory for all that you are and will do. And I just pray that you would move among the brethren in this house. Lord, as we are gathered here in your name, I ask you that you would speak to the hearts of every believer in this room. That this would not just be another Sunday, but this would be a Sunday where we are transformed. Where we hear you loud and clear as you would speak to every person directly, one-on-one. Even though it's so many of us in here, let this word apply to each person. That they would leave this place knowing that we have heard from you. And that you would transform our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Would somebody say, Amen. 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 Thank you, my brother. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good. I want you to know that change uh, is a process. For some people, change happens instantaneously. But for 99.99999% of us, change is a process. You just don't wake up and change. Hallelujah. And there's, there's many things that happen in our lives. We change. As we grow, we change. That's a process. Hallelujah. You, you, you mature in your mind. You change. Sometimes you, uh, as you develop and you go to different levels in life. My son uh, started seventh grade sh- uh, shy and I was worried about him for the first couple of days because now he's moving from room to room and he's got to grab all the bags and make sure he gets to every class on time or else he's going to get detention. And in my head, I said, if he's anything like his father, he's going to have a detention very soon because change is a process so you go from elementary school sitting in one class with all your books under the desk to now you got to find your books and carrying around and it's going to take time to adjust to the new process when you get married that's a change that's a process hallelujah that's a that's a process that you want to make progress in hallelujah hallelujah come on hallelujah married people where y'all at hallelujah come on you happily married make some noise Encourage the single people. There's hope. Hallelujah. In Jesus. Hallelujah. Change is a process. Everything you do in life is a process. When you get older, your body changes. That's a process. Hallelujah. Or tell the young people at 40, the check engine light starts coming on. So get ready. Hallelujah. In 20, you're excited about life. You're going to conquer the world. 30, you be, you're living the dream. This is it. You're out. getting money out here. 40, you like, man, this money don't matter. My, my kidney is bugging. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't going to help me, hallelujah, in this church of God, in Christ, hallelujah. But uh, 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 change is a process. The thing about changing, though, is that we all, the Bible tells you to everything there's a season. So it is foolish for you to to live a life and not know that changes are going to happen in life. And if you're going to enjoy life, then you've got to learn how to change. And in that process of change, I can't tell you all of the, the, the ways in which you can accomplish changing, but I do know this, that the first thing in changing is that you first must admit there's a problem. You cannot change if you cannot admit there's a problem. Hallelujah. Can I tell y'all? Well, I'm not going to tell them the story with me and my wife. Me and my wife had an interesting week. Quick to listen. I'm just going to say that. Hallelujah. Quick to listen. She was reading anyway. But, 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 but you cannot change unless you first admit there is a problem. Most people will never change because they will never admit they have a problem. And it don't matter who tell them, hey man, you got an anger problem. It's not that you're not right for being angry, but you let your anger get the best of you. When you get angry, you feel it gives you the right to say whatever comes to your mind. And when you do that, you damage the room. You need to change. Well, if you didn't get me angry, I wouldn't have to say some of the things. The reason is messed up it's because y'all get me angry so you change and then i'm gonna change and they would never come on y'all ain't saying (laughs) hallelujah and you you know that that well that that, unless you decide that i do have an anger issue and it's okay to be angry but sin not or, 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 you know, I, I, I have big dreams. I, I want to, I heard Sister Evie's testimony today. God, I want you to bless me and double everything. But you don't want to apply to no job. And when you do apply, you never want to show up on time for the interview. 
And then when you go for the interview, you want to tell the people how to run their company. And then somebody says, hey, the reason you're not getting a job is because your attitude is bad, man. You got to wake up early, bro. You can't, you can't, if, if the thing starts at five and you come in at five, you're late. What does that mean? That doesn't make sense. It's at five. I'm here at five. Why they, they mad at me because I came in at five. All right. The first thing in changing, that doctor says to you, hey, you eat one more piece of fried chicken, you're gonna die. Well, the, Bi the Bible says bodily exercise profit little. Anyway, God knows my days. My days are numbered anyway. He knows. <laughs> All right. Okay. Keep doing that. Here's the thing. You might stay alive, but you might stay alive on machines. The first thing in changing is you got to admit there's a problem. If your marriage is broken, stop trying to fix your wife. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> Fellas, only God made a woman. Not you. Come on, women. Make some noise for that one. <laughs> ladies clapping on the side like this. Now, let me tell you ladies something. Stop trying to fix your husband, too. What happened, ladies? Where'd you go? The beauty of a marriage, and a marriage can work when two people work on themselves fix you and so when me and my wife get into intense fellowship because we don't argue when we get into intense fellowship I walk away every time from the fellowship saying teach me Lord what that church service was just about because I have no idea what your spirit was saying and for sure the other preacher in the room was preaching false doctrines But when I walk away, oftentimes what happens in my home, there's tons of apologies, constantly going back to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm just, you, you know, I, I, told, I told somebody the other, I told a young man, you better learn to say, I'm sorry. Like me, I, I do nothing wrong. I ain't going to say, I'm sorry. I said, I'm going to hear about you. Hallelujah. <laughs> because the secret in life, nothing will change until you change. And the only way you will change is if you admit there's an issue. And listen, some of our issues are not just, some of our issues disguise under the pretense of kindness. Also, at this times in your life, you got to learn to say no. In life, you got to learn to cut some people off. Hallelujah. Not every food you eat for your body is good for your body. What's true for food is true for people. Not everybody you connect with is good for you. Some people are toxic like fried chicken. But they taste good so you keep going. You got to learn to cut stuff off in your life. And if you're going to change, you got to admit you're wrong. You got to admit some things about you. You got to admit you're prideful. You got to say, yo, I do, be, I do fly off the cuff and tell people off before I, I shoot first and then ask questions later. I do get angry. I'm bad with money. I remember when I got married, I was terrible with money. I just thought when you get money, this is it. You know what I'm saying? That's yours. Do your thing. I didn't know you had to budget. I didn't know you had to save for future. Because in my mind, God is a God of the future. If he provides today, he'll provide tomorrow. Spend the day. Why think about tomorrow? And I started getting tickets and all sorts of stuff started going bad in my life. And every day my wife, I would come home and she'd say, you got another ticket today. You got this bill. And, and she'd scream at me. And one day I just got frustrated. I said, I am trying, lady. I'm trying. This is not easy. Hallelujah. This is not easy. There's one thing I want my wife to change when I ask her, what do you want to eat? If she can just give me an answer. 
and the answer not be what do you want to eat because I answer I'll say I want to go right now to the Chinese spot I want to go to the Jamaican spot I want to go here I know what I want to eat the problem is not what I want to eat the problem is there are many marriages that have come to close to divorce for that one question there's there what started out as a happy trip became a bitter trip the door slammed and nobody ate that day what was meant for good the enemy turned for evil <laughs> at least admit you need to change this is why you always go teach in the back I'm not coming to church I'm gonna go teach these kids Admission is the first step to change, but can I tell you that admitting doesn't mean change? Because you can admit till you blew in the face, but admission is not all there is. Once you've admitted you change, the next step is to submit to the process of changing. Admission, that's my first point, is not submission. And in order for change to occur, submission has to begin. Well, what do you mean by that, pastor? I can walk into a barber shop and admit this guy's a barber. It doesn't mean I'm getting my hair cut. Until you sit in the chair and submit to him, you admitting he's a barber doesn't change you. I can walk into the doctor's office and admit the doctor is a great doctor. And I can admit that his prescription is what everybody says I should take. And it worked for many people. But admitting there's a prescription and a good doctor does not mean I'm changed until I take the medication. Amen, somebody. Admitting I have an issue is not change until you begin to look to whatever the process is that will cause that habit to be broken and until you are doing something to bring about the change admitting is a good first step but it will be a step that you will admit and it will be more frustrating because there's nothing more than frust more frustrating than knowing why i messed up but never changing some of us know exactly why we are where we are and the reason it bothers us is because we haven't done anything to change. Can I ask you a question? What are you going to do today that the person five years from now will call the person today and said, thank you for doing that. Because you made that decision to submit to such a process, my life is ten times better you know, sometimes I have conversations with myself. I talk to the 20-year-old me. And I begin to talk to the 60-year-old me. When I talk to the future me, the conversations become intense. Because I could just hear the future me say, why did you do that today? And when are you going to fix that? And when are you going to let that go? Do you think I want you to get here and you still be bitter over that? Do you think I want the next 20 years to be the same as you now? What are you going to do today to make sure that when you get here, we are much better? Admission is not submission. People do that all the time. I can show you that in the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw the three Hebrew boys, the Bible says that he threw them in the fiery furnace and he looked and he saw that Jesus was with them in the fiery furnace. And he, by his own admission, says the fourth one looks like the son of God admitted that God was with them, but he didn't change. He did not submit to that God. Later on, he had a bad dream. It was terrifying him. He didn't know what it meant. And he called everybody together. What's the dream? And one man knew the dream. And it was Daniel. And he was amazed that Daniel knew the dream. And he said, Daniel's God is the God that everybody must, must, must worship. And he's the God of this and that. But he never submitted to the God. 
till Daniel had to turn and tell him the dream actually means that you, because you keep admitting he's God, but never changing and submitting to him, you are going to be like a wild animal eating grass. And when he became like a wild animal eating grass, King Nebuchadnezzar, that's when he finally submitted to God and God restored his mind and restored his power and he finally said, the God of Israel is the true and living God. You can admit Jesus is Lord, but that don't mean you're being changed by it. You can admit the Bible is a great book, but it doesn't mean you're being changed by it. You could come to church and say, oh my gosh, there's no place like Church City. Oh God, I thank you. I found a church that was great. But if you don't submit to the processes and the things that work here... You'll never experience what we got. You can even have a preacher in your life, a pastor in your life, who you say, I admit, he's a great speaker. But if you don't submit under the authority and learn from the pastor, you will never grow from the pastor. Admission is not submission. Submission is very important. The Bible says to the women... When you get married, wives, submit yourself to your husband. Never submit to anything that doesn't have the power to challenge or change you into being what God made you to be. That's why women, when you pick a husband, don't pick a science project. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't hearing me. Women like projects. You see, naturally the Bible says the woman is a helper. And, uh, 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 but if the man got nothing to do, what are you helping? So, so guess what you do? You don't have nothing to help him with, so you just begin to help him. He smoked weed, but I see the good in him. You're the only one. Everybody else... I know you've been to jail four times, but I've been there. You listening to a 50 Cent song. What was the song? It's easy. Love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? No. Why you down and out? Pastor, that's foul. Women got to stick with their husbands. Husbands. And once you get into it, you chose that. But he's a bad husband. You're a bad chooser. He's a bad husband. I question your choice. You don't vet properly. I keep telling people all. I listen, people think I joke. I tell people all the time, you get married, do a Google search on a person. I'm going to Google search you tonight, Sherry. I don't know. You might have a couple bodies up. You know what I'm saying? Where you be coming at me, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I be picking on poor Sister Sherry. She's like the quietest, sweetest person. I know I should stop, right? You and Barack. You and Barack. Admission is not submission. And in life, you will come up to conflict, problems, troubles, circumstances that will require you to change in order to be blessed. That's life, period. In, in life, you, you have to learn how to master relationships. You have to learn how to ma master dealing with people. Unfortunately, we live in a society that forces us to deal with people through a screen. But I promise you, there's coming a time there are people you can't block because they live in your house. And they work on your job. Don't you wish you could just mute people on your job like you could do on Instagram? That don't happen in real life. You can't mute that co-worker that's going to come over and be like, your shoe look ugly today. Hallelujah. You can't mute that boss that's going to get on your nerves. You can't mute. You can't mute that child. You can't block them. They are there. You cannot deal with people the same way you deal with technology. You got to learn how to change. Listen to this, y'all.
No man's greatness, no man's honor, no man's valor can set him above the calamities of life. No matter what you attain in life, there will always be something in the corner. The Bible says the wheat and the tear grow together. And this man Naaman had all of the wealth. He had everything we dream of attaining. And the Bible says, but he had leprosy. I want y'all to listen to me carefully, y'all. Leprosy in the Bible is representation of sin. And I want you to know that unless a man comes to a place where he truly knows Jesus and is transformed, it don't matter what you've attained, there's always going to be, but you had. He was a good guy, but he wasn't. He, he accomplished this, but he. This happened and. And no matter what you do in life, unless you know Jesus, that sin will become a full-blown disease. Listen to this. Some sickness is not just in the skin, it's in character. There's sickness in the mind. There's sickness in our attitude. But watch this, y'all. Naaman had leprosy and apparently it was going to cause him to die. And I promise you this. Oftentimes, be careful what you look at and want to be like. Because if you look at Naaman's life, he had money, prestige, and everything that you would, were told to chase. But if you only knew what he truly had, not even the basis of slaves would want to trade space with their life and Naaman's. Because he had leprosy. Do y'all follow me today? And watch this y'all. The Bible says there was a young girl who was the answer to his solution. Here's my next point to you. Be an answer. Wherever you are, you are an answer to somebody's problem. If you're in school, you're, a pro you're an answer to somebody's problem. If you're a teacher, you're an answer to somebody's problem. If you're a mother, a father, you're an answer to somebody's problem. Believers, wherever they are, should be an answer. I love what my sister said in her testimony. First opportunity she sees, God gives her to witness and to minister onto somebody immediately she does it why because hallelujah you are called to be an answer the bible says that the young girl said there's a prophet in israel who is able to cure you here's the crazy thing about this story he goes to his king his king writes a letter sends tons of gold and silver Naaman comes into Israel goes to the king of Israel and presents him the letter and said I'm here for the cure because Naaman was thinking if there's somebody powerful enough to cure leprosy surely the government must know who this man is y'all yes. mm -hmm. hear what I'm saying in this place but the problem is the places sometimes you go and expect the answers to be yes. I'm going to Israel I'm going to the land that proclaims this God, Yahweh, is the true and living God. If there is a healer in the house, surely a godly nation would know who he is. But to name and surprise, he goes there and the king is angry and rips his clothes and says, You trying to kill me? You trying to start a fight with me? I want you to know that oftentimes the places you expect God to be sometimes comes up short. 
come on somebody and look at this the king begun to panic because his perception was this man is trying to start a fight with me but this king obviously is not in tune with God and when you're not in tune with God your perception can be messed up and I want you to hear this our perceptions have potential for error the way you perceive things does not mean that that is the truth your perception is not facts always remember that your perception has potential for error your perception has potential for error he's thinking that the man who is conquering them is coming to kill him little did he know that God is actually trying to save the commander of the army of his enemy his perception had an error next time you get in an argument slow down try to understand first when you talking in your marriage slow down try to understand first try to listen first because your perception is your reality and you will live based on how you perceive so you want to do everything possible to make sure your perception is correct amen, amen. and the king did not know that there was a healer in the house he did not honor the prophet in his own hometown. And this honor makes believing and receiving impossible. When you don't recognize the people that God put in your life, the why, you will never be able to receive from them. If you don't recognize why God, why, why, how many of you have ever asked, why has God got me in this church? Why does God have me under this leadership? I came up in an era where people had relationships with their church and wanted to know uh, 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 the leadership of the church, wanted to join ministry groups, wanted to grow in the church. When they made decisions, they called a men or women of God and say, can you pray with me? Nowadays, preachers have become people that we, if I need you, I'm going to call you. But what you have to say over my life don't matter. It's quiet in the house. It's quiet in the house. And so men of God serve no other purpose on to find a revelation and entertain me Sunday morning, inspire me, allow me to admit that I messed up, but never tell me to submit to anything. And preachers are doing all types of backflips to entertain people. And people are still not changing. We live in a country with mega churches after mega churches, books selling number one bestseller by Christian authors. And yet, the decisions of the day are still constantly anti God. What's in those books? What's happening in our churches like never before? Our music is selling, going platinum, some of the biggest artists. Yet the music is still not bringing revival. Because as long as you tell me God is good, as long as you sing about the goodness of God and tell me that my tomorrow will be better, I'm cool. But you better not put any doctrinal things in those songs. You better not say, you better not sing that God's wrath will fall on sin. When was the last time you heard that in a worship song? Like Noah, God is going to flood and kill the earth. Those aren't good songs. You never hear a song talking that fornication is still wrong. And can I say this? Music wasn't even invented until we know about Jubal in Genesis. But Adam was worshiping since the garden. Music is not worship. We have limited God to worship in music. The purpose of music is to inspire sing. So the Bible says make songs of praise and hymns to each other, encouraging and inspiring and unto God. That's the purpose of music. When I make music, it's going to do something to you and it's going to tell my, my, my view of God. You don't hear anything in this music that goes beyond what's happening in our churches, what's happening in our music, what is happening in Christianity. I tell you what's happening. A lot of us, we're being forced because the people of God is so enamored by Naaman that they don't know Naaman got leprosy. Yeah. 
and the prophet of God. When Naaman comes to his house, see, I don't even want a dollar. Because nothing you got could trade your current circumstance. You cannot buy the grace of God. You must submit to the grace of God. You know God is not Burger King. You will not have it. Your, you can't worship God on Sunday. And then on Labor Day you on the park. You can't hold on to the big truck mama. And then talk about spirit lead me. I am not scared to preach. I'm not scared to preach. I'm not scared to say what I got to say in this house. You, you, you can't be. Listen, people do all types of buck stuff. They in fornication. They in adult. They doing all types of buck stuff. And still, they, they, listen, listen. It's one thing to feel good. I'm not condemning anybody. We're all sinners. I admit that. But the purpose of the gospel is not to make you feel comfortable in sin, but to convict you of it. Because what good is telling me I got leprosy and then leaving me with leprosy? Come on, come on. At the end of the day, I feel good with leprosy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dishonor makes belief, believing and receiving impossible. Don't overlook the things that God and the institutions that God and the methods that God, God, Jesus never said, I will build my artists. Jesus never said, I will build my book club. Jesus never said, I will build a preacher. Jesus never said, I will build a business. Jesus never said, you know what he said? I will build my One of the reasons why sometimes I hate doing events is because sometimes some of the artists you bring in, their attitude towards church, I like God, but I don't like church. Well, then get out. That's like somebody saying, I love Sevy, I don't love his father. Get out. Hallelujah. And the man goes, he brings all his wealth to Naaman. And Naaman says to him, go dip in the Jordan seven times. And he gets mad. God is often asking for faith and obedience in small matters when we think he's requiring mighty deeds. Sometimes God just wants you to obey him and honor him in the simple things. Instead, this is what we do. God, you know, I can't come to church because I'm trying to get this money so that one day I'll start an orphanage for you. And God, I just want you to come to church, bro. I ain't ask you for an orphanage. <laughs> God, you know, when I, I'm out here, I'm hustling, I'm doing all this, because when I finally blow up, God, I'm going to take all my money, and I'm going to give it to the king. You lying. <laughs> you don't even tithe now. You, you trying to shoot for the stars, and God is just saying, I just need you to stop lying. Because when people ask you simple questions like where you are, you lie. You tell them I'm a half hour away and you know you're two hours away. You stuck in traffic in Manhattan. I just need you to stop lying. That's causing problems in your marriage. When your wife say, where are you? Stop saying I'm around the corner. You're not around the corner. You are in Brooklyn. And she's going to be mad when she comes home. I just need you to stop lying. But God, I'm going to give you buildings. I need you to stop lying. How many of you know it's not the great achievements God is asking you for? It's the simple things. And the man of God said, God just wants you to go dip in the Jordan. He flipped out. He said, dip in the Jordan? If, if you come out here and you wave your hand over me and did something, you, you could even ask me to go in better rivers. Given all the reasons why he can't do the simple things. I grew up in an era where they used to teach you in church, do the simple things. Come into church. You see paper on the ground, pick it up. Come on, somebody. I grew up in the church where they tell you, before you come up on here, make sure you learn how to do all of the services out there. Before you desire a spotlight, show God your heart is for service first. Many of us don't have that. We come and we just want straight spotlight. No spotlight, I don't do nothing here. No, gl no glory, no me. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, 
God is often asking for obedience in small things. Listen, this man tried to tell the prophet what he should do so he could get healed. Patients must not prescribe to their physicians. You must never tell God what he ought to do in your life. And as he went away, the people around him began to say, Father, if he asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? This is why Naaman was a good leader. Because he surrounded himself with people, listen to this, strong leaders surround themselves with individuals who could speak up and counsel them. You can't just have people around you who's just going to say everything you want to hear. You have to have people around you say, I humbly disagree. And lovingly, disagreement don't mean leaving you. They're still sticking with you. They're still loyal. Some of us, when we disagree, it means time to leave. Disagreement don't mean time to leave. Disagreement just means it's time to talk. And he had people around him who can simply say to him, listen, Naaman, if he asked you to do something crazy, you'd have done it. Why not try? Listen to this, y'all. God requires 100% obedience. Delayed disobedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Naaman had a couple things that was messed up with him. He had a temper. He got angry. He had pride. And he had leprosy. And unless he's going to get rid of that temper and that anger, the leprosy was going to remain. And the Bible says that he walked down and the man told him to dip. When I was young, we read the, the King James Version said dip. I used to just think that just meant dip. But when you research that, he's telling him to wash up. Seven times, you're, 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 the way you would wash and clean yourself, do it in that water seven times. And the first time he went in and he came out, guess what? Nothing. Because the instructions are not do it one time. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we come to church one time and we said, I'm done. I done gave God my all and nothing is changing one time for the rest of your life. Sometimes we think we do God a favor. Sometimes we think just because I did something, I read the Bible today, I'm closer to God. He, the Bible says he went second time, comes out. By now, I should start to see the change and there is no change. The Bible, he went Three, four, five, at least by six, you should see partial change. But the Bible never said that he started to change as he started to dip. He stayed the same because partial obedience, sometimes God will not change the situation until you totally surrender. Because the minute he starts to change it while you partially give it, you'll think, I can partially do it and still get God's blessing. You can't partially serve God and get a full heaven. You can't partially serve God and get a full God's blessing. God requires all of you or nothing. And let me tell you, sometimes the things that God require of you, I promise you they're not easy. God tells every man that if you want to follow me, he must die daily. Take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. Sometimes the process for God's rewards are tough, but they are worth it. And this man dipped and on his seventh time he came up and he was totally cleansed and he went back and he said I want the dirt from this place I want to worship God wherever I go from now on the God of Israel will be my God and Jesus mentions Elisha one time in the Bible 
And the reason why that is important is because of how he was mentioning it. Can you imagine there were places or a place where Jesus went that he could not heal and deliver? No, no, no. You meant pastors went. Jesus went to his hometown. And when he preached, this is what they said. He preaches as one with authority. They admitted that when he preached, it's different. But the next sentence was, but isn't he the carpenter's son? How? In other words, we admit he's great, but we'll never submit to the carpenter's son. And how you see something, don't lose this today. How you perceive something is going to determine how blessed or how much of a tragedy it will be in your life. Your perception has the potential for error. And they perceive them as just a carpenter's son. And as a result, Jesus said, the Bible says that he could not do any miracles there. And he gave them the analogy. He said to the Pharisees, there was one man in the whole of Israel that got healed. Don't miss this. And it was not an Israelite. It was a foreigner who came all the way to his city and put his faith in God. Let me tell you, sometimes there's people in the church for years and years and serving God for years and never will experience the changes they desire. Will never see the growth they desire for one reason. They think they got God figured out. They think they got the whole thing figured out. They just limit God to what it, God, a compartmentalized. When I need you, this is how you work in my life. But they will never submit to who he is. And there will be a sinner that is now on crack somewhere, cocaine somewhere, that God will touch their life and they will shoot up the ladder from glory to glory in their life for one reason. They believed and trusted the God that you were familiar with too long. Who am I talking to in this house? There is a God who says that admitting he is God is not enough. The mission is submission. Every head bow, every eyes closed. Father, we give you praise in this place.